0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Earl Grey and Picard. This is going to be a bonus episode and um, we haven't done this in a while. Um, my co-host Dan has moved. He's been going through life and moving and all that stuff, uh, building his, his garden. So today, um, Dan will return during another episode, but today we have a special guest host Uh, Noah, you want to introduce introduce yourself a little bit? Hello!
1: Um, My name is Noah. Um, I'm a huge Star Trek nerd, and generally a nerd outside of that. I'm an IT guy, as I think a few people would suspect, about a dude who's on a Star Trek podcast. Um, (laughs) Here to talk all things Trek. Stephen and I have talked about this a few times in the past, about uh, different Star Trek things, and having a conversation about it, so I'm really excited to be here.
0: Great. So we are actually breaking out some beers today, as is the way we do things on Earl Grey and Picard. Um, what was the first one I had? What was the first one you had? It was a Collective Arts one. Okay. Yeah. Well, the can's over there, but it was like a 6.8 one, right? Yeah,
1: it was super Six point, good. Yeah, okay. Well, That was so,
0: Universe something? Ransack the Universe. That's it, yeah. Ransack, I've had that one before. Legitimately um, great. Out of a 10, what would you give it?
1: Um, for an IPA of high alcohol that did not feel heavy and like actually gave a light tone to it i would say it was 10 out of 10 for that sort of thing
0: okay well we've never had a 10 out of 10 beer on this podcast i would say in two years we've never been a 10 out of 10 especially
1: for what it was like it tasted great it didn't feel like offensive (laughs) that a lot of ipas (laughs) can get to um it was uh not too heavy and didn't feel like it was smacking you in the face (laughs) so in terms of like the bar being sat at An IPA that has a higher alcohol content like that, 10 out of 10. 10 10. Overall, like beer, generally compared to other things, solid 7.5. Interesting. Okay. Yeah.
0: Good ratings. Interesting. High ratings. Um, I am drinking a new one called Rome. It's a hazy IPA from Market Brewing Company. It's a 6.5%. It's from New Market, Ontario. Uh, never had this one before, but like all hazy IPAs, I'm liking it quite a bit. bit fruity. Not too strong. Um, love the artwork. It's all blue and cottagey and foresty. And
1: like kind of retro. Kind of retro. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the names are around the top there. I mm. like that.
0: Yep. So I'm giving it uh, an 8.5. Nice. Yep. Um Why am I giving it an 8.5 as opposed to a 10? Because uh, maybe it's a bit low in the alcohol content if it was a (laughs) 7.2. No, I'm not a cheap drunk. (laughs) I'm not a big drunk, don't worry. Um, I don't know. It's hard. For For me to give anything a 10 out of 10, it has to... Really blow me away. Um, that one did. That that, that first, blew you away? Like,
1: Ransack the Universe, that was that was solid. It was the hardcore mud beer. Hardcore music.
0: mud beer. Uh, that was just like a random choice from the LCBO It was a here. good one. So, yeah,
1: it was a solid choice. I would have thought uh, Interstellar would have been around
0: interstellar is good we've we we, we have reviewed that on yeah. this podcast before and i don't remember what i gave it was probably like a 7.5 or 8 it's, it's up there though it's good you yeah know. It's,
1: it's like a solid solid day-to-day beer solid to deal with uh, an ipa that has that kind of strength to its hmm. taste that's a good one but it's got the star trek font for the interstellar. it is the font it is the font yeah, yeah. It's, i, I it's know the, the tos font yeah okay, not the i'm not aware style. of that
0: actually yeah um the highest-rated beer we've actually busted out tonight. We've actually finished it. It's the uh, Sparkle Puff from Flying Monkeys. This has got a 9.5. It's the highest-rated one until you just gave yours, your Collective Arts one, a 10. This I, is a 9.5. I
1: I would say, like, for the qualifiers that I put on it, it's yeah. a 10. But, like, overall, for all the beers I've had, like, solid 7.5. Okay. Uh, for that one. That one was interesting. I wasn't expecting the, like look of it in the glass with yeah, the, like, oh the look yeah well the yeah yeah really like cool all things. the floating things in it yeah oh that is that's because it was partially frozen oh so, okay. yeah that's yeah i didn't know if that was a feature of the no, no 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 it, okay. really <laughs> it was just
0: really cold it right. was kind of frozen okay uh
1: flying monkey is great i have always very much enjoyed those i would give that a seven seven wow and i'm surprised seven. yeah
0: okay so the, you, you really like the collective arts one I did yeah. yeah okay very cool. much Okay, so next time you pick the beers and I'll... Okay.
1: Okay. I got it, 100%. Okay. I'll regale you with shitty Dutch beers. That don't shitty Dutch beers, market. okay. Yeah. We've
0: never done shitty Dutch beers in Earl Grey Picard. Oh, that's, um, that's why I'm here so maybe the next one the next episode we'll get Dan on here too he can bring his Scottish beers he's a Scotsman
1: oh a Scotsman yeah
0: last lane being McLeod he's a oh, true Scotsman I
1: appreciate that that's great
0: <laughs> so far you've done two accents at my place tonight I, I know like I've both. Got a few yeah uh, I, I can't do accents just wait
1: until I get my Bernie Sanders out we'll see how that goes oh my god
0: <laughs> I am I am so Canadian um, I, I just sound so Canadian I can't, I can't do accents um, well that's
1: why you gotta lean into the letter Kenny of it all letter Kenny like, of it yeah the letter letter Kenny is a great show if you haven't watched it but it is like almost offensively Canadian in no, it's accuracy uh, it's so incisive with like how it takes apart rural Canadian Ontarians wasn't
0: it Rick, you remember the show well there are two Canadian shows that I've never watched but I've absolutely no interest in watching Robson Arms ever heard of Robson Arms I did
1: hear of Robson Arms yeah
0: that's a long time ago. that's when I was long in film school yep. in the early 2000s I think it was about a bunch of people living on Robson Street in Vancouver Pretty where sure. I lived yeah and then there's another one, Corner Gas. I think everyone knows Corner Gas. Corner
1: Gas was like watchable, but it wasn't enjoyable. But I've no interest in watching
0: and apologies to any, you know, rural Canadian people who listen who are listening to this, but I've no interest in watching shows about people living in Saskatchewan. Right. You know, in the prairies. That sounds so boring to me. Yeah. You know I And mean, um, that's
1: why Corner Gas was boring as hell. Um, <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it. But Letter Kenny is like I know this is a Star Trek podcast, but Letter Kenny for a minute. Um, Letterkenny is, like, so perfectly rural Ontario without it being, like, over the top too much. Like, they do just enough inflating of what, like, it's based on Listowel, so it's, like, this part of Ontario. They do enough of a great job talking about kind of what that experience is like and what the people are like there that if you are on the fringes of, um, growing up in a big city and you pull from a rural area like I did as a kid... (laughs) That's a hundred percent the person that mm. is coming on the bus to your high school every day, mm. and it's it's amazing for that. the The humor is amazing, and that's why it connects with a wide measure of audiences. Mm. But I've heard of the show; I've never watched it though. It's great; I do recommend it. Uh, however, we're here to talk about Star. Trek. We are here to talk about yeah. Star
0: Trek. So the topic of today is, um, you know, we're kind of breaking our usual format where we talk about specific episodes, specific characters. As all of you know, we talked about Picard, and then we went to Tuvok. Tuvok didn't really work out. So now, today we're going to talk about old Trek versus new Trek. The things we like about, you know, TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, versus, you know, Discovery and Lower Decks and uh, Picard, et cetera, et cetera. So, just, you know, our thoughts about that. Um, You know, so Tuvok was a difficult character to talk about, you know, because he didn't really have... um, a range of emotion, a lot of drama surrounding his character. Um, granted, his episodes were very entertaining, but the character himself, not, not enough to talk about for a whole hour. So now we're talking about, in general, our thoughts of what I just spoke about there, old Trek versus new Trek.
1: So. Right, and it's a, it's a good introduction for me coming on the first time, uh, sort of with my experience with Trek, which I think, like in prepping for being part of this, I was thinking about like the inherent optimism that Trek brings in my life. Uh, at this point, uh, in, in where I am. Like, even looking back on some of the dire episodes of, like, DS9, there's still an optimism that's kind of baked into the DNA of Star Trek that I just, mm. like, can't get enough of. Because I find a lot of other sci-fi, like, optimism is not the inherent nature of the conceit of it. Like, aside yeah. from the Orville, which is just Seth MacFarlane saying, like, fine, I'm going to go make my own Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? right, yeah. Yeah, fine, Paramount, I'm going to do my own thing. Like, that's that's inherent optimism and like, the same sort of track. It's Rick Berman, it's Brandon Bragg. Yeah. it's all that kind of stuff. But, like, so much of what I'm exposed to these days, in any media, is so pessimistic and yeah. so, like, dark and dour. And even at its worst, Star Trek still manages to rip optimism from the jaws of pessimism. Mm. And that's yeah. it's been always such an important part of the franchise to me. Yeah,
0: I mean, things are only getting worse, you know, and now we we need more optimism, we need the optimism more than ever, you know, and that's why Strange New World has resonated so much because uh, we're getting the truck that we need, that we want, finally, you know, Discovery didn't bring that, Picard didn't really bring that, you know, like they just portrayed more grim and glower sort of things. Um, but yeah, we're, we're getting what we need right now, which is, you know, the classic optimistic Star Trek. And that's what Orville season three provided was that, that optimism and, you know, the world is more polarized than ever right now, you know, um, so many problems in the world and, um, every day, like I doom scroll every day, you know, and it's a shitty habit of mine and I'm more pessimistic about the world, but then I see, you know, I'll watch Star Trek and strange new worlds or Orville season three and, and I can see what we can potentially become. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it gives me some hope. We and are, hope we, is a very powerful thing.
1: It um, is. And we're, we're very much at the, the like, Zephyr and Cochran World War Three. Yeah, yeah, we're at that stage, now. you know. And, yeah.
0: and according to Strange New Worlds, I think the season or episode one or two, you know, they... At this point in history, we're supposed to go through a civil war. Yeah. You know, that was part of. Do you remember that part? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he so was they're talking
1: to that assembly and he yes, showed the. They're predicting uh, a the civil war, spells, which yeah. is probably
0: what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And then also, according to Star Trek lore, it's going to be World War Three. Yeah. And only after World War Three, again, according to the lore, is when things begin to, begin to change. Only because, uh, well, two reasons. The Vulcans come down. Yeah and uh zephyrn cochran devises the warp drive engine yeah but know? it's
1: not even just world war three as it is like the eugenics wars have to happen so like according yeah. to the timeline 95 it should have happened yeah yeah <laughs> But <laughs> you think the bell, bell, bell riots, riots have already <laughs> happened yeah, the bell riot yeah no no, no
0: the bell riot are in, like Twenty twenty five? Is it now? No, no, no.
1: They're they're like really? now, yeah. They're. I thought it's like twenty twenty four or something around there. Oh yeah, so I'm it's... saying.
0: Like in two or three
1: years, or was it before twenty twenty two? I don't remember the exact time of the bell riots, but it's soon. It's I... soon. So like shit is gonna get real rough if Roddenberry was a sage and not just like yeah. a show writer so we're still following the truck timeline yeah, to we're a degree getting there. there's
0: some optimism there yeah. because hey they're predicting it accurately yeah. we got to go through a lot like 30 years of riots civil wars and Northern wars
1: factions firing upon encampments in Wyoming yeah. or whatever state Wyoming, it was
0: Wyoming that's right nice. yes yeah. nice um so we're gonna go through a lot more shit before it gets better
1: yeah. So, well, well but thanks for yeah, having me on. I, it was such a good time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but hey, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong.
1: And I'm yeah. Wrong. No. And that's. But that's the thing is like the the kind of allegorical state of Star Trek is that things are going to get terrible, and that's fun, right? That's yeah. that's kind of like a natural forest fire that happens to society where it burns down and then something better grows out of the foundation to it, and the inherent optimism of the idea that we can reach past this and that we can get to a better state, and that we can do these things is to me just like a belief in the nature of human beings being better than what we are at yeah. any given moment. And then yeah. we can constantly evolve in a much quicker state than uh, than a lot of uh, other things that we think we're not capable
0: of. Yeah, yeah we're good problem solvers generally, right? Um, but we're very adherent to old systems like capitalism and uh, and
1: whatnot. Um, yeah, once we get away from the Ferengi of it all. Yeah, it that's totally basically yeah. Fine. We're still yeah. Ferengis, basically, right? So how have you felt about um, specific shows that have come out? Like Strange New Worlds, obviously, I think most of the Trek world looks at it and goes, this is the best first season of a Star Trek show in either recent memory or altogether, yeah. and that it hits the notes perfectly. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that article that you sent uh, yes. today about... The pitch for Star Trek: Strange World yeah. was "What if we did Star Trek?" Yes, yes. It's the most simplistic, Simple. yeah, amazing answer to it. Um, what are your thoughts on Discovery, honestly?
0: Um, I'm very disappointed by it overall. I think it's lacked the optimism. It lacked. Um, I think. I think overall, the worst part about it was that it lacked character, and that's what that's to me what makes uh, Star Trek so entertaining and endearing is that you have a show with interesting characters um, who get better over time who learn and who grow and that uh, we can relate to and grow with over seven seasons but with Discovery all you have is Michael Burnham and Michael Burnham to me she's a contradiction for one she's she grew up on Vulcan but she's the most emotional person in all of Star Trek lore you know and yeah. she's crying all the time and making foolish decisions based out of emotion um, and I don't know she so she, she's a walking contradiction in that case you don't grow up on the planet Vulcan and act so emotional
1: all the time and make constantly the wrong choices yeah it does feel uh, like it's a human rumsbringer what's her. a rumsbringer it's where um, Amish people get like eight months to a year where they can leave the colony right leave the mm. Amish settlement and go off and live as uh, people in society do mm. Uh, oh, I've heard about that, yeah. yeah Rumspringa, where they go I out. I know the word, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's added to your vernacular. Yeah. But they, um, they go out and do their thing, and it kind of felt like Michael Burnham, you know, had her Rumspringa with joining Starfleet, mm-hmm. in that she was then able to experience emotions, and she went way over the top with a ton of those things. I feel like, so Discovery is entertaining on the face of it. It's kind of the same way I deal with the J.J. Abrams movies. yeah. They like it, it is entertaining to watch. And canonically it'll add <clears throat> some context to things, but it just felt like change for the sake of change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Strange New Worlds kind of feels like they're drawing back to what you know they know makes the the franchise successful, what they know is gonna bring people to the table and watch it, and they they know that formula is a hit for success. But Discovery was just kind of like, okay, we're playing in the big leagues now. This is a huge streaming show. It's going to lead our platform. We're going to have to do these things. And it just kind of felt like it was doing it for the sake of doing it rather than there being a story necessity for it. Like, there wasn't a, a logical reason to follow that, yeah. despite how many Vulcans are on the show.
0: Yeah, and I think they saw the success of Game of Thrones, and they wanted to make Game of Thrones in space, You yeah. know, make it hyper-serialized, hyper-dramatic, hyper, serialized, hyper, dramatic, hyper uh, you know world stakes, you know universal stakes, you know, and uh, that's not what Star Trek is. It's about character and finding optimism in the face of uh, gloom and doom, you know. And uh, it didn't have that. You know, it it didn't go from planet to pl- to planet, and you know they they didn't see issues with that planet and try and rectify it and have moral lessons in 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 the episode. And it was just, uh, yeah, it was bad storytelling, bad character developments. Um,
1: I didn't feel for the characters whatsoever. Uh, I could go on and on. I'm trying to There there were some that I did enjoy like um, uh Detmer is okay. Detmer
0: is okay, but I don't you, you don't you don't have like an episode called Detmer's Day. Remember you no. have Data's Day in yeah. TNG? I I liked her. She's a peripheral character. She's okay, you know. Yeah,
1: and it it does feel like at least with the longer season runs, they focused in on those characters. They had the Lower Decks episode at yep. one point of uh, Next Generation mm-hmm. where, like, that one guy is trying to connect with Riker, he's mm-hmm. an ensign or something, and he thinks that Riker's from Canada, oh, I, Riker's I, from Alaska. Yes, yes, I, that, was, yeah, right? that, that was Lower Decks episode of the TNG, I Yeah, that yeah, yeah. That. So, like, I, I enjoy that kind of stuff, and it always, I, I think I heard this on, like, a Futurama audio commentary, but, like, to get a <laughs> spec, strip, spec script made you would write it about a character that doesn't actually get the spotlight. Because mm-hmm. then you're adding something to the character, and that yeah. would happen. And it just kind of feels like, given with the shortened seasons of mm-hmm. these shows compared to the the runs in the 90s, mm-hmm. you're not getting those longer seasons to focus in on, like... On the uh, character. Yeah, Favorite like O'Brien's you know. suffering. You're not going to get yeah. that kind of a Brian. for things. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of the second bananas popping up in... Um, in Discovery that I liked a lot, like Lorca, uh, even Mirror Universe or not, like, I really loved the character of Lorca, it felt like somebody who was coming off of being a Mako in the NX era, yeah. uh, getting command after that, kind of like what they tried to explore with, uh, Star Trek Beyond and Idris Elba's, mm-hmm. um, character where he was that guy who had to transition into Starfleet, I liked that idea, um, Rain Wilson's *Hardcore Mud* being explored a bit in *Discovery* was very cool. It was cool. okay, but you know, like the
0: problem, like it says, these Mirror Universe* episodes, you yeah. know, like I feel they're so one-dimensional. They all feel like mustache-trail villains. Have, I mean,
1: they're two-dimensional. If we're if we're talking in a literal sense here,
0: yeah, I, I, yeah, good one. <laughs> very good. Very good. I, I, I like where you went with that. It's true, but like every character in the Mirror Universe*, they are evil for the sake of being evil. There's yeah. no nuance there. They're just hey look, I'm in the mirror universe. I have a goatee and I'm bad. Yeah, you know, and that was the case in the uh, TOS version, but it, yeah. it they never advanced for, you know from uh, like DS nine and then uh, did Enterprise have it? I think yeah, Enterprise, Enterprise did. did few, yeah, yeah. But and they're just bad for the sake of being bad. You know, there's no.
1: Well, and I think like if you're if you're looking at that and you go okay, so is this universe truly one in which evil triumphs over good as an inherent rule? Um, That's kind of an indictment of the storytelling of of Star Trek. But it's a meta-indictment in that they're always saying, you know, in the mainline Star Trek universe, the non-Kelvin universe, good is always going to triumph over evil no matter what, and the inverse of that is the mirror universe whereby evil triumphs over good every single time. And that's kind of an indictment of the optimism of Star Trek, but it does put it in kind of a stark opposition to itself, which is like, these are the two values that could exist we're going to explore one over the other and we understand that the mainline universe is one in which that we see inherent optimism and yeah. caring forward and that's all what we want we're going to make fun of ourselves a little bit here but we'd yeah. much rather live in this universe and presenting that is i think an, an interesting thing especially in 2022 when all we're getting is like the worst run of events yeah it's i, I see what you mean it shows a good contrast there although i
0: think in enterprise it didn't their Mirror Universe trilogy just end abruptly with them succeeding? Like, with the dark side succeeding? I don't remember it too yeah. well, but...
1: Yeah, it's been a while since I watched that far into Enterprise. I remember Hoshi being very yeah. important to that whole thing. Yeah, game. I remember that She was too. the Empress or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, it, it kind of feels like their answer to a clip show. In that, mm. like, alright, we'll put something new up, but we're not going to be serious about it. And, <laughs> like, the stakes mm. don't matter for this sort of thing. Discovery kind of explored that a little bit more with Lorca having been from the Mirror Universe, and mm-hmm. then um, Giorgio coming over from the Mirror Universe, mm-hmm. and, and all I never that liked Giorgio; She was always
0: so one-note. It's like, look at me, I'm bad, I'm evil. Yeah, maybe I'm a
1: little nice, guess what, I'm still evil. Yeah, yeah that's it, that's always what it was. Yeah, and I mean, there's I'm no
0: nuance interested. to this to the character. Well, so yeah. how
1: do you feel about the rumored Section 31 show? I'm
0: not excited at all. Yeah. I have no interest in watching this show, you know, especially if... Uh, um O is going to be the star which i guess she is right yeah um i don't like the character just you know i think we're gonna be in agreement on on this but just give me a star trek show where it's in the set in the 25th century with a new crew yeah new adventures quasi standalone you know some serialization but mostly episodic basically ds9 you know i think ds9 did it absolutely perfect with the mix of episodic and serialization yeah You know, um, Uh, that was the perfect blend.
1: Yeah, DS9 really did a great job at, like, creating through lines that lasted the whole way through the show. Mm -hmm. But also, you could kind of pick up and play, right? It it very much was that way, where you could be like, oh, it's some Ferengi nonsense. Yeah, you could
0: have your one-man Bashir episode. Remember that, like, Bashir gets, like, kind of uh, lost or trapped in the holodeck with Derek? You know, like, that's a great one-off. It's a fun (laughs) episode. But then you also have the Dominion War going on two episodes later we'll, we'll get to that yeah you know but you can still have these fun episodes They you know? straight
1: up assassinated a romulan and did yeah. some evidence yeah, yeah yeah like let's let's go i'm totally on board with that i think ds9 did that great but they also were able to step back i can't remember the episode title but the one is set in the 1940s where cisco is the newspaper yeah sci-fi um, writer
0: in the that's not in the pale moonlight um isn't it that no might no, no, be, no 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 that's uh
1: that's the romulan one.
0: Thing. yeah the Romulan like this is a
1: fake yeah and that's
0: the yeah. one um and they oh my god, god like okay, anyway. I, if oh, yeah. I wasn't drinking so many IPAs I could remember this <laughs> um yeah, but I mean, like... Oh my god, no, it's, a good, it's one of the best ones, though. Yeah. Uh, and I will remember that right after we hit the, the stop
1: button. I, I will, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then we'll We'll add, a, we'll add of end, yes. it in, yes. But I mean, like, they were able to step back and do Trials with Tribulations and... Or Trials and Tribulations. Yep. And then that episode of the 1940s, they were able to sort of do those things, sort of set against the tapestry of a large historian. It just kind of felt like, with Ron Moore being a big part of that show that they were given more freedom because it's like well this is going to succeed or not but at past season three we're just going to do what we're going to do um whereas discovery i can't figure out what they're trying to do and i kind of feel the same way about picard maybe that'll all make sense in the third season of picard but like i don't get what they're trying to do i understand lower decks i understand prodigy i get prodigy like that's a cute show and i think it's great uh, Strange New Worlds is self-evident, but Picard and Discovery, I just, I can't...
0: Well, you know, they just try to have these big universal stakes, and so it's this, like, big MacGuffin, or big, uh, big bad, who you yeah, can call it, right? Yeah, Deus Ex you it. know, some entity wants to destroy the universe, and now Discovery has to rush to save it, and, you know, they stretch that concept out for 14 episodes, or whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, it never needs to be that long, it's always Michael Burnham saving the day.
1: Yeah. You know, and. Sometimes it, it, helped maybe, by Tilly and, like. Yeah, they the get. The like, Admiral. Yeah, a little yeah.
0: help here and there, but it's, like, a completely unbelievable, unrealistic that this person saves the universe once a year. Yeah. You know, and, like, I, I don't care about these secondary characters. I don't care about Michael Burnham. If you were to. Give these secondary characters more time, so I can get to know them. Slow things down a little bit. That's what I want.
1: Yeah, you know. I uh, mean, the the thing about Star Trek is you're kind of invested in the organization of it, right? Like you're invested Starfleet? in yeah, Starfleet, the United Federation of Planets, yeah. the Klingon Empire, the Romulan Star Empire. Star Trek, yes. You know the the ships, the structure, all of that stuff makes the sense world, to it. the whole world. Of yeah, everything. and that I mean, obviously, is from. Uh, the original series and the movies and then by the time you get to next generation you're like okay these are established Mm -hmm. concepts they have to operate in these confines especially with the Prime Directive let's deal with it there with Discovery it just kind of felt like you know what 20 years before Kirk takes command of the Enterprise none of that mattered and like none of the structure of the discipline of Starfleet or the ideals were necessarily there and it was just kind of everybody flying by the seat of their pants and it wasn't on Discovery until we got Pike showing up in season two that we actually felt like oh there is a structure to this this makes sense like this is the Starfleet that I know here's a competent leader with a competent crew who can command uh, the intentions of people and move forward with things it didn't feel like Giorgio could do it or Saru could do it or Mm. the Admiral who died the Lady Admiral whose name I can't remember (laughs) from Discovery? yeah uh, you know uh, oh I know you're talking about yeah the brown haired Admiral yes yeah I I I don't remember her name uh, she was great though, um, yeah. but it it just kind of felt until the structure of like there being an enterprise in this universe, none of this makes sense and doesn't mesh with what I want. I get there was a an actor who put out that you know Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever, is like a buffet and that not every part of it is going to be your cup of yeah. tea, but uh, there's something out there for everybody, and I get that. So I in no way, shape, or form deny uh, discovery from existing. It's it just didn't hit
0: the note for didn't me. Hit the note. But you know, back in the nineties. Yeah, You know TNG, DS9, and Voyager, and that whole buffet I liked. I took everything from that menu. Even Enterprise, I, I liked it okay. It wasn't my favorite. Personally, I do not like the idea of prequels. I think everything should start from the beginning and move forward. Yep. Don't go back, because we know what happens. Yeah. That's a problem. We know like, the Federation comes about. That's why I wasn't a big fan of Enterprise or Discovery. We know how it kind of goes. But, but somehow know, like,
1: Discovery like fails to do both. Right, because it failed to do the pre Kirk stuff uh, yeah. in Starfleet, and then it has like really disappointed me with the thirty second century or wherever it's yeah, been. At that's, this yeah, that's
0: yeah. I thought the concept was really cool, actually. You know, traveling to thirty second century and seeing what Starfleet is like, and um, I mean, I that's things, it's, you know, a, a, cool, it's a
1: cool idea to do. But like, people are saying, you know, no more prequels, so they make a prequel. And then we go, okay, can we not get a show that's sent after Nemesis? Yeah. And they go, sure, how far? Oh, 30, A thousand years. Yeah, yeah, really close to it? No, we're going to do a thousand years. Yeah. Guess what? Vulcan's not called Vulcan anymore. Yeah. And what's it called now? I, it's, uh, Nivar.
0: Nivar, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, Nivar.
1: Uh, yeah, and it's, it, it just seems to me like, okay, great, you wanted Saru to have a super cute like president girlfriend, but like, did we need to do this story? And did yeah. it need to be um, you know, the guy from uh Sesame Street who blew up all the dilithium. Like again, it always kinda seems to be one of these things where it's like you guys have a concept that you could do super well and you just choose not to.
0: I agree. You know, like uh I think where Discovery ultimately lost me, I think it was season three, end of season three, uh where they're in the thirty second century and uh Dilithium it all exploded, right? Yeah, the burn. The burn, that's what yeah the burn, sorry. It's been a few years now, the burn. Yeah. And there was, this, you know, for 14 episodes, we had this mystery of what caused the burn, what caused the burn, every episode, what caused the burn, and then at the end, we discover that it was an a cry, like it was a, yeah. an emotional outburst from... What was the what was Saru's alien species called? So uh, they are the Kelpians. Kelpians, right. So yeah. it was yeah from a Kelpian, but a special kind of Kelpian. Yeah, right? a
1: special kind of vibrational Kelpian who played Mr. Noodles on uh, Elmo's World on Sesame Street. Okay. I, I, didn't, like, I didn't know that part. Yeah, yeah I see, like, I got a kid, so I have to, I have to deal <laughs> with Mr. Noodles. Um, and Yeah,
0: so because his mother died, he had this emotional outburst which created some energy ripple across the cosmos yeah. that destroyed every old, ship dilithium. Okay,
1: but except for the Romulans, right? Presumably the Romulans exist at the point of the burn. They
0: and they and their power for their uh, starship is uh, a mini a, sorry, a miniature Black hole. Yeah. That, that's how they, power singularity singularity how they run singularity it. Singularity drive. Singularity drive. So they right? wouldn't have blown up. If they all of
1: Starfleet up. blows up and all of the Klingon Empire blows up, the Romulans are taking shit over. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yes. Without so, question, they're taking any, everything over. Any
0: truck fan, you know, who's worth their weight in gold, I think is the expression. Yeah. Right? You know, they should, they have seen that episode called Timescape, Season 6 yeah. of Star Trek TNG Timescape, where Geordie, Data, and Picard open up the Romulan engine core and it's a miniature black hole. Yeah. And that's what powers their ship, right? Yeah. So
1: it's not lithium. No, and we don't know how far back that goes. So we don't know if it's, like, back in the TOS era that was still the case or... what. I mean, like, I think the Klingons were producing some of their ships because didn't yeah. they have, like, D2 battlecruisers or something as I well at so. some point? Regardless, like, the Romulans would have flown in so yeah. fast, especially if they have this historical grudge against both the Vulcans because apparently they hadn't unified at that point. Yeah. And uh, Starfleet and the Federation for not helping them out when their star went nova, or like getting in there for a little bit and then leaving them to the like Borg half cube or whatever, <laughs> the Romulans would have taken everything over. And it was just so lazy that it was like, you no, know, people left. We got sad. Then we stopped being the Federation. That there's except one guy at like a deep space station who's hanging out waiting for somebody to show up. None of that made any sense. They had yeah. an opportunity to go in the future and explore sort of what. Could have been, yeah. and instead they took a gigantic shit over everything, yeah. and none of it mattered with continuity. I know a lot of people get bogged down in continuity, and that's one thing, but what? Star Trek is the thing that truly invented that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Follow your own world, your own world building, yeah. follow your continuity. Um, you know, like us fans, we know about Timescape and how Romulan ships are powered. And uh, we know logically what would have happened. The Romulan Empire would have taken over after the you know the, the the explosion of the Federation and Klingon Empire. You have a vacuum. The Romulans come in. You know it, it yeah. makes sense. That's how I would have written it.
1: Yeah, or the Borg, right? Like, like transwarp. We don't know if transwarp exists on the same dilithium matrix as does like yeah. standard work. No one so. knows how transwarp works. Yeah, it's like exactly. The Borg, I guess. Yeah, it's just Voyager the Borg. had it for an episode until they depleted their transwarp capabilities yeah and then they hid inside a sphere to get back home blew their way out of it which is still endgame is one of my favorite episodes yeah it's great all the time but yeah i mean it's it just it didn't kind of follow the logic of its own thing as you say and it's you know like people have been clamoring for either a wharf show i'll I'll see a wharf show sure man i'd watch a wharf show i'd watch a geordie show but you know what we got a picard show We, we, we got it and picard's
0: arguably ostensibly one of the most interesting characters in all of T and we, we, we got it but it turned out to be utter shit
1: yeah it's just not what I was expecting out of that and, and like I do expect growth from the characters and that kind of stuff and we did see that from Jean-Luc as the series progressed and sort of you know, like, the first time we saw him ever be soft was in kind of the intro to Generations when, like, yeah, Rene is, uh, died Renee Yeah, when died and, and his brother died, right? Yeah, yeah, and they burned alive and he yeah. was sitting there with his book in the, in the uh, you know, it wasn't his ready room. It was, like, the meeting room or whatever with a yeah. big uh, tilted table. Uh, and, like, Diana Troy comes in they talk and stuff. So we saw that kind of character progression, but yeah. we, I don't know. Like, none of it kind of paid off with Picard. And it was very much like... Patrick Stewart's just such a sweet person. He's bringing that to the table. Like yeah. he's...
0: And you know, like, I think... So with Picard season two, I mean, uh... The reason he couldn't get... He couldn't find love was because he felt guilty for not helping his mother, uh... Not commit suicide. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you think that fact would have been shared with his closest friends, with Deanna Troy... Yeah, and with like the Will, doctor, some uh, the doctor, Will. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um... And so it just seems like it came out of left field completely yeah. because it was never addressed in the seven seasons or movies, even though, you know, this is a very,
1: you know, important factor for this character, you know? So it just felt artificial. You yeah, know? It, and, it definitely like, felt artificial and it felt like a lot of the choices the characters were contrived. making. Uh-huh. Yeah, very contrived. And yeah, that's what I would say about the characters' choices. And, you know, obviously, like, there are certain characters who are there to be one thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't really get development out of them. Like, Girati was kind of always maximum Girati until she was Mm. Borg Queen. And then it was like a hard character shift. Rios, there wasn't much change in his character from who he was in Starfleet uh, and out of Starfleet. And then he was back in Starfleet. And then all of a sudden he's like, yep, signing up to be a past stepdad. I'm I'm going to be past timey stepdad. Uh, and it, it, you just don't really get the development there. And all of a sudden, Seven and Raffi are kissing, and you're like, yeah. I you know, didn't pick up on romantic intentions. No, this, not, this kind of feels... Didn't okay. like yeah, you know, they didn't have
0: chemistry. Yeah. I think the writers were like, okay, who can we set up, basically? Yeah. Let's set so, so, oh, Seven and Drotty, okay, that, that'll work yeah, out. You know? Yeah, and, it just and it's very progressive. You know, like, I'm all for progressiveness. It just felt... Sometimes it feels very forced. For yeah,
1: and I mean, like, there's that episode where you go back to TNG. I do not remember the title, but um, maybe I can remember it. Let's see. Riker falls for the, the androgynous woman, right? The androgynous. Uh, uh, I can't remember the title. Though. But no. you know what I'm talking? I know about. what you're talking about. Yes, and that so. that felt like they bought into it. They had an it hour. It felt pretty to, organic. Yeah, it didn't feel like because hey. Riker's Kirk. He wants to fuck everything, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> he is kind of like, yeah. He's he, yeah. you know. But you know, like
0: maybe they should have gotten an an andro- uh, an androgynous uh, an andro- uh, an or andro- uh, transgender person for that role. Today they. They would have hired 100 they would have yeah you know yeah. back then they hired someone you know it was very clearly female yeah very clearly you know, female. They, so it's they didn't take, take the that. risk they didn't take the risk no. of hiring a male actor but i mean Can it wasn't a risk though? at that point right
1: they didn't androgyny was more of a concept of choice rather than it was a state of being at yeah. that point and they didn't know what they were saying but if you look back on that episode that's like a pretty important thing i think to no. a lot of people that that kind of representation exists yeah and it, I don't know, uh, with Seven and Rafi, it doesn't really feel genuine. Uh, there's cool stuff in the show, and I'm still going to watch it. And, like, I think that's the condition of Star Trek fans is like, oh, God damn it. yeah. who got all this silver lining all over my cloud? But, like, yeah. that is kind of, I think, how it's gone with New Trek. But shows like Lower Decks, which doesn't get the credit it deserves, and Strange New Worlds are what I want out of a Star Trek show. Yeah. Even if Lower Decks is, like, steeped in humor and just kind of having fun with the format of Star Trek yeah. and everything that it is, I enjoy the hell out of it. It's, it's not the Star Trek show I
0: asked for, Lower Decks, but I'll take it. It's not bad. It's you know, not it's, bad. It's, it's, I enjoy it so it's, I, much. See, I stopped watching Discovery after The Burn. What was that, Season
1: 3, I think, The Burn? Season 3, yeah. yeah season I, 4, it wasn't. Was that the most recent? I, I, I don't know. I, I... <sighs> Whatever the most recent season was, post-Burn was not one I watched. Was yeah. there a post Yeah, there was. I well, don't I would love to see the ratings of Discovery lately. If people are still watching it. Um, They're doing more, and that's I fine. Yeah, it's- like, I'll watch it. That's fine. I, I will 100% watch Star Trek. I don't really care what flavor it comes in. I've watched Prodigy. Like, I sat through the totality mm-hmm. of Prodigy, and it's cute. It is in no way, shape, or form what you would expect from anything branded Star yeah. Trek. Aside from the fact that Janeway's on it. Yeah, that'd be cool. You know, that is cool. You know, like, I just want my Star Trek to be like it
0: was in the 90s, you know. Um, I don't know how many fans feel that way, but I want my TNG, I want my DS9 and my Voyager. I want, like, three shows like that in that format. Yeah. New Planet of the Week, some serialization character growth you know where i care about each character individually like oh hey look there is o'brien i know everything about that that guy yeah how he's gonna react his life you know but you know you get discovery like I, hey, demmer she's kind of cool i know nothing about her mm-hmm. um like what other characters are there on discovery or um like even if you go to big car like you've rios he's cool you know but yeah or Gerardi. I don't have that much of an emotional connection to these characters. No. Like, I think of Worf. I think of Data. You know, or I guess Troy. Or, like, you got Odo. Or, you know, Voyager. Or Paris. Or Kim. You know, like, all these characters I have an emotional tie to. Because I've seen their standalone episodes in those respective series. You know, but...
1: My, my thing with Kim is, like... The, what we're talking about with character development kind of falls flat with Kim. Yeah, well, he does was... not change from episode one to endgame. Yeah, There's no true. difference that's from true. caretaker to endgame. Yeah. Literally in rank or personality. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. He stays exactly the same. Although he did become captain
0: in one episode of his own ship in season seven. I he he did, yeah. Man. Oh, you remember that. Okay. And then
1: he came back in time as well with uh, Chikote. To like, you know, back. help Voyager along or whatever. They they came back in time and like. Oh, uh, that's um, yeah, the season five episode time, not timescape.
0: Uh, uh like yeah, where they crash, crash on that
1: ice yeah. planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What's the name of that? Yeah, because uh, they came back to survey it. They were like, yeah. oh, here's Voyager. We were so close because of some... It's a good episode, actually. You know? Yeah, it's a great episode. But, like, you know, even then he was probably still an ensign. All right. And it kind of felt well, no, like... Well, he
0: was a captain at that time. Was like, there? in the future, you did become captain.
1: But, but so. I mean like they they chose not to advance him and yeah. meanwhile Tom Paris gets promoted and demoted and all that stuff. <laughs> he does, yeah. And uh, and yeah. Harry Kim's got to survive playing the oboe on the bridge at the night. Oboe. Like that's that's Harry Was it Kim. clarinets? Clarinet. Was it a clarinet? What was yeah, the whatever woodwind it was. Yeah. Like yeah. Harry Kim's character development was stagnant the entire time and it was kind of like Brandon and Braga just being like, "Yeah, guess what? We're not doing that." Well, you with know this what? guy we're choosing not to so
0: i listen to this podcast called the delta flyers yes yeah yeah. and so uh you know harry kim um garrett wong and you know uh robert and neil host it and you know so garrett wong goes to rick bourbon one day and was like hey so am i gonna get promoted or what you know and like rick bourbon's like well someone's gotta be the ensign yeah so that was it someone's gotta be the ensign (laughs) you know so on tng you had like will wheaton you yeah. know um who else was was there ever a forever ensign on
1: uh ensign roe was around for a while yeah, she the bajoran ever. yeah towards yeah, the promoted, end of it though. but she was a, she was
0: ever seek, she, seeking a promotion really i don't
1: No, she i think she joined up with the maquis she did really had yeah, the yeah. second last episode actually yeah yeah, sure. yeah. yeah I, I mean like and you don't necessarily need to have that rank all the time but like, tom paris got promoted
0: to lieutenant right and then he gets demoted then he gets promoted again i think he yeah. became lieutenant again yeah,
1: first lieutenant again. Uh, meanwhile, here's He's in jail.
0: He's a jailbird.
1: <laughs> twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah, because yeah, I... she pulls him out of jail in the beginning of the series, yeah. right? In Australia or wherever he is. New Zealand. New Zealand, yeah. So, and then he gets put on Voyager. Uh, nepotism. His dad's an admiral. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, admiral Paris. And then uh, he gets demoted when he attacks the water planet. 30 days the episode 30 days yeah when he goes to fuck that thing up and then promote it again like six yeah. months later and then you know i remember
0: it. in that episode harry kim was like well i don't see a pip on my t- on my chair you yeah remember that he had that line yeah yeah
1: yeah That's true man. It, it's true it ended up happening but it and, kind of felt like a running joke for them like we're just yeah. the asian guy is not getting anywhere and you know like sulu is the most competent officer we've ever had this guy is staying where he is and, uh, you know, technically, our
0: Harry Kim is not even from our universe. No, I know. You He's know the that? One that yeah. came over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you remember that, Yeah, right. I remember so that. So we have a fake Harry Kim or yeah. an alternate Harry Kim. Harold Kim. Harold yeah. Harold Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Real Kimberly. Harry Kim died. Uh, yeah, was, yeah. What was that episode called? But I remember, it was actually a good episode. It was like a season two or three one.
1: Yeah. I mean, Voyager, like, knocked it out of the park a number of times. Yeah. And I think it had one of the best series premieres. I remember the Caretaker Yeah, Caretaker parts one and two. Was really it one, good. two, and three or no, one no, and two they don't they rarely do
0: triple episodes it was a
1: one and two one yeah um, that was good i could have done without all the Okampa chicanery in the first couple yeah. of seasons like i really yeah. did not care about the Okampa. neelix is still somebody i struggle with i don't like that character Neelix, huh? Not uh, a Neelix guy. Like, if you're going to put aliens. up stupid aliens that do stuff on a ship, I'll take Phlox any day over Neelix. Well, Phlox
0: had a purpose, yeah. yeah. No, he was a doctor, but hey, He was you know contributing.
1: What? Neelix was, <laughs> like,
0: actively detracting from no, everyone's experience. He wasn't detracting, no, man. Everyone loved Neelix, for one. You know, they always confided. Why, though? Why? Why did people like Neelix? I never they understood can, that. Well, for a while, you needed a counselor on a ship. He was the, the de facto counselor. He just made food, and most people yeah. couldn't eat it. He like his cooking was garbage yeah, all the time. Not many people like it, but you know what he would he saved energy, right? So that he was there was no other cook on the ship, so they went from planet to planet gathering, you know, stuff to eat and yeah. he looks since he was uh a resident of the Delta Quadrant knew how to make this stuff. So yeah, but he was him. so
1: far away from like wherever I can't remember his species name. What was Talaxian. It? Talaxian. He was so far from Talax. Talax, like, that's right. They got like destroyed by whatever the hell was Borg or whatever the hell was going
0: on. Uh it wasn't the Borg. It was another alien species who was doing experiments. Yeah. There was um, like a big genocidal thing. Genocidal thing. And
1: which kind of also doesn't... Like, he's got a really dark backstory. He does have a dark backstory. He like lost his very, sister. Yeah, he lost his sister. His sister and, like, yeah. it wasn't until two episodes before the series ended that he, like, found other Talaxians yeah. on that asteroid yeah. or whatever and decided to go set up shop with them and, like, rebuild yeah. his race and stuff. But, like, he had such a dark backstory and then they made him a pedophile. What? Yeah. Him with Kes. She was a fool. Oh, like four. Cass. Yeah,
0: but it doesn't quite work like
1: that, though. You know. Okay, like, but like
0: it's like what's like saying my cat is an old man, but he's he's twelve years old.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like this is also somebody with a circulatory system and like logic and all these kinds of things, and like it's just the, like that would that storyline would never fly now. It's
0: no, it wouldn't fly now. But it's it's a bit. I see what you mean, but in Ocampo's years, she's like in her twenties. But even though she's two or three in the show, right. But they age, they progress at a
1: different rate. Oh, I, fully. Like, and I get that, and Kes was a very special, you know, O'Compin, who could do mental stuff and all yeah. this kind of thing. But it always felt, like, super-duper weird, because he, like, gave off the energy of a 50-year-old guy who knew better. <laughs> like, well, granted, Neelix was about, probably, the actor was maybe about... Ethan 40, Phillips. Ethan Phillips was about yeah. 35 30, or 50,
0: and Jennifer Leon was about, yeah, in her early 20s, or maybe 19, I don't know. But yeah.
1: Um, even then, like, even that pairing, you're like, yeah. this is not great for this. It's true. And, like, you're a grifter, bud. It All you've done be... is be out on ships in your dirty Klingon robes. Yeah. Forever selling stuff. And you got some lady that you're stealing back from the Okobans. He's Come been on. through
0: a lot, looks though, man. Good, good for him for just, like, making it in the Delta Quadrant. You know, his, his species being mostly destroyed or, for, you know, from some experiment. And then... I,
1: I am not racist against Talaxians. No, there are just no. certain ones I don't like. And I think
0: Nelix like, he would bring a smile to my face if I was lost in the Delta Quadrant he could cook me up some uh, thalaxine food sure but I mean
1: then Tuvok uh, you know gets bonked in the head or whatever the hell happened to him in that one episode and he's all happy and he's like two no Tuvok yeah, 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 and he's like a child at that point, and he's like working with Neelix in the kitchen making desserts and stuff. Yeah, and he's the happiest he's ever been, and everybody loves it. It was an, an energy weapon that was fired at him. That's it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I forget the name of the episode now. That was a good one, though. That
1: was a good episode, and like Tim Russ did a great job at yep. being like you know. We talked about it on the on the podcast. Yeah, many moons ago now. Great episode. Great and episode. like, but people liked his cooking, and most people survived That's because Neelix he made desserts all the time. That's why they all liked it. Yeah, stuff, great. Right. That's fine. So like, he, like, saw, you yeah. got the holodeck, man. Go fight a Klingon. You can like work that <laughs> weight off super quick. Bellana was doing it the entire time. She she had that shit locked down with her like shirt pens, and she was going out and finding Klingons all the time. So you think it worked out. in the future, if you had a
0: replicator, people would just be fatter because they would be like replicating desserts. You think all, so? But then you the also time? have
1: transporters, and like liposuction becomes really easy. <laughs> I think there's transporting the fat out of you. Hundred percent. I <laughs> think that's part of what's going on. Also, I think like the replicators probably oh, produce yeah. things that. Don't contribute to your
0: fat. No, no. What you would need is smart replicators. So say, you know, you go to a replicator one day and hey, I need like five pieces of cake. The replicator's not going to do that for you because no. they're like, this is
1: not healthy for you. I am not allowing this. Yeah. Um Whereas what... the replicators on the Orville will give you five hundred cigarettes. No yes. problem. But We're then no you'd have to explain to the,
0: the replicator, hey, like I have a party tonight. Yeah. Oh, okay, then they'll do it. So you could I don't know, man. You'd have to have a lot of discipline for not to be, not, not to be oh, fat. Oh, it'd be impossible,
1: man. It, it, but, I mean, like, the whole of society at that point has grown up in a state where it's, like, personal responsibility is the That's beginning true. and ending. Everybody is contributing That's to true. society. Nobody's expecting anything out of it but joy. But, yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I think people in the future, if they have replicators, they're going to be
0: better people. So they're going to realize, okay, ten slices of cake, not a good idea. Right. But today, you give someone a replicator today, and this was, was actually addressed in the season finale of the orville yes you know you know what i'm talking about yeah. oh yeah you know um if you drop say a replicator in today's world yeah you know people are going to be like yes give me 500 cigarettes give me 10 pieces of cake give me 10 steaks i'm going to devour all of this well, the problem right would be now. that it
1: would be like weapons right we're yeah. we're at that neanderthal stage as compared to the federation where like anything that we would get would be to destroy other people free yeah. of cost. And that's, the, like, 100%, the Prime Directive discussion they had on that episode was bang on. Definitely. I they had that word. Great episode,
0: yeah. you know? And, uh, today, would you give anyone a replicator today? Well, I don't know, but anyone, um, I feel like like I, like, I think I would do okay with a replicator. Uh, what would I replicate with a replicator? Would I replicate a million dollars? Yeah, I might do that.
1: Yeah, I might do that. You know, I think, uh, I think I'd spend a while, like, making a bunch of money, right? You do yeah. that for, like, a month. Yeah. You make a shit ton of money for yourself, and then you start replicating medicine. And yeah, then you, yeah, you just yeah. flood the market, yeah, right? Yeah. You just flood that shit See, out there for free or for next to yeah, nothing, yeah. and all the money goes to charity. Yeah, You and, you and I would collapse a, them, the pharmacy things. So yeah, we, a little we, bit. We would not do it for else. good, but you and I it might not be Not at first, but, like, the good for well, me, yeah. and then like I, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I need yeah, yeah.
0: to be sure I'm okay in this world, because, you know, making money and being sustainable uh it's a challenge in capitalism yeah. you know um so i would need i would like my needs met first yeah ideally and then i will i will replicate a billion dollars to give to everyone else and uh yeah i do something like that yeah i
1: think if you like meet people's needs and like you replicate plans for a replicator that can go and be controlled by you know things but you got to shut off valve. Right, so like you make a bunch of replicators for people and you go, okay, use these wisely. If you don't, I'm going to turn them off from my replicator. Yeah, Then you're set, right? That's altruism, but it's like a controlled altruism. But then you're playing God. So then you get into all these like crazy ramifications, which fully underscores the need for the prime directive, regardless of like yeah. basically no Starfleet captain ever paying attention to it. <laughs> yeah. None of them ever nah, are okay with it. I think they
0: nah, they they follow it. They just bend it from time to time, you know. Yeah, but
1: like it's it's the prime directive. It's not the like maybe directive. It's like the don't do this. And they keep going like, well we didn't really do this. And you're like, but you did. You're on a planet that like has burning you know they're burning rocks and well, shit at this at, point, like it, with fucking sticks rubbing against each other. This is ridiculous. why are I, down I, here. Stop I can't this. think
0: of it. Trying to think of an episode where they clearly broke the prime directive. Uh, like Tom Paris in Thirty Days, he yeah he wanted to break the prime straight directive straight up. You yeah. know, uh, and that's why he was reprimanded. But Janeway can't think of any episode where she like flat out. This There's be. gotta be some... Like, maybe, you know, if I did research... Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I think she bent it a little time. But, yeah. A few times, but, Cisco uh, maybe wasn't the worst about oh, it. I, I the card it, like, was pretty rigid.
1: But Kirk was just playing fast and
0: loose with yeah, that. Yeah, well, a Cisco... Um, I mean, he went to Garrick for help with the Dominion War. Yeah. But at the end, the ends justify the means in that case. I guess. Um, you know, but... like, it's true. I mean, you saved billions of lives, and all it cost was the self-respect of a Starfleet officer... A dead Romulan admiral who was a complete dick.
1: Yeah,
0: and one. I mean, that's true
1: of any Romulan general or yeah, you know, army. I, guy well, guy in that time, in that bags. time period, yeah.
0: And one, uh, so and one smuggler or whatever, right? Yeah. So, I you know, it shouldn't have to cost any lives, ideally. But
1: I saw a comment online about that the other day about how like that episode is about Cisco finding out that not only does his soul have a price. But it's way lower than they thought it was. (laughs) And that's, like, such a good descriptor of how disappointed he was in himself. But he still carried out what he felt he needed to do. I, I would, though, love to see, with all the Star Trek that's happening now and all the people that are coming back and, like, all the things... You know, lower decks referencing Voyager of the Wazoo. Next season, they're going to uh, DC yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah doing that. that yeah. He had his Tom Paris blade. Oh, yeah, Tom Paris. That was yeah, right. It was so great. And th-
0: th- th- I think the episode title was "There'll Always Be Tom Paris." Yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah, you know, that's yeah, a We'll a riff. always have Tom Paris. That's I a think. riff on there. We'll always have Paris. Yeah, I mean, exactly.
1: Right? It was so good. And then uh, Seven, obviously being on the card, I uh, Wharf being back in uh, the Next Generation chair is kind of its own thing because it's TNG. But, like, DS9 deserves something. Like, it was yeah. great that um, Lower Dax had the statue of the most effective Starfleet <laughs> officer <laughs> all of all Brian. time. Yeah, the the greatest Starfleet officer of all time. But he was wearing his TNG thing, and he was standing behind the transport. Computer. He was. I loved it. I loved. That I know, one. but it's like uh, O'Brien at work. That comic where it's just O'Brien, yes. totally outside of the. He's skirted. so bored in the transport. He's room so all bored. He's just he just <laughs> wants to talk to people. Yeah. Like Keiko's not doing it for him at that Keiko point.
0: Sometimes. Yeah, she's just not helping. But there's this like one meme on Star Trek pages I've seen how like O'Brien is the most amazing Starfleet officer. He I mean, is. You know, he's been... He suffered, in, more than, he's suffered more than anyone. He's suffered more than anyone. Um, um, he was in, like, a mental mind prison for, like, 20, 20 years. 20 yeah. years, He killed his
1: cellmate, who was his best friend with his bare hands yep. while he was in there. And he killed more Cardassians during yes. the Cardassian uh, Federation War than anybody. Right. Like... So uh, many
0: more things. I'm trying to remember all the, a few more now. He's a
1: pro-union man. He was... Dart player. He's a great Dark yeah. player. Yeah. He was just uh, just an enlisted guy and rose to be the uh, chief engineer aboard like the most consequential space station that yep. they've had <laughs> in a hundred years. Yeah. Like Chief O'Brien is one of the best characters he of all time. It's yeah, one of the most developed, you could say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. Worf didn't get the character development that O'Brien did. Uh, they're close. I would say they're the
0: two characters who got the most development.
1: They they were, but I mean, it was very much like. You know, first contact happens The Defiant with Adam Scott at the helm. Like, uh, Adam it, Scott at the helm? Yeah, Adam Scott um, from Parks and Recreation. Oh, I didn't know that reference. I never watched the show. Okay, so Adam Scott is an actor who plays in Severance, which was on Apple TV Plus recently. He was Ben Wyatt on uh, Parks and Recreation. He's an actor you'd recognize just on the face of him. But he was the helmsman on the Defiant at uh, the Borg invasion of the Soul oh, system. Oh, was he, yes? Yeah, <laughs> and then, you know, Worf gets transported off. And, you know, tough little ship you've got there. Little. Little, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, Adam, Adam Scott was on that ship. But then it was like any time the Enterprise is doing anything that people are paying attention to, Worf's right back on board. Yeah. I don't even think they explained it in Insurrection or Nemesis that Worf is there. Like, at all. He was supposed to go off and be an ambassador, and then... In he's, first he's... contact, they did. They did, yeah, because there's...
0: First... Uh, in insurrection, Uh did they? How did Worf get on board in insurrection? Yeah, they, they don't... Must have explain it. explained it. They must have explained that. Did
1: they? Are we sure? I think in Nemesis, it was that, like, oh, uh, Riker and Troy got married, so Worf... Yeah, yeah, that, that's how that happened. Yeah, right. yeah. Insurrection, but, I don't recall there being an be a reason. There's there was no be... explanation for insurrection existing at all. You know what, Matt? A lot of people get flat for Insurrection. I like that movie, you know? Um, it's watchable, but it is my, like, Nemesis was... had its moments, and it was, like, super shitty written. Yeah. But, like, I enjoyed them exploring the Romulan side of things, and that gives it the edge to me over Insurrection. Yeah, Insurrection was just, like, a big, long
0: episode, but it was a very good episode, you know? It and I'll take it, you know? It's, it would be a very good TNG episode. It would. And, uh, did it need to be a theatrical movie, Eh, probably not, you know. Yeah. Um, but I like the scenes with uh, Picard and the uh, girlfriend he made. I yeah. thought that was very sweet how time slowed down. And uh, I thought the villain was interesting. And the overall moral dilemma of, uh, you know, what sh- should we transport these people off to the planet to help more people um you know with the healing factors that this planet has yeah i thought that was a great moral
1: dilemma something star trek does very well well and it was very much tied in the idea of like you're in bed with arms producers because you need them but they are doing bad shit and the baku yeah the baku yeah the yeah baku i was so (laughs) that was discovered
0: why did the federation need the baku was it because they could harvest the energy from the rings of the planet i think that's what it was yeah right? it
1: was that and then it was going to help them in some way but there was this indigenous uh group population that, yeah, yeah that yeah. lived there that turned out to also be the same race yeah um, yeah yeah right yeah. but they were like their parents and it's that these people went off yeah, and all think, got facelifts and they look so different <laughs> but and, yeah like they wanted to evacuate the people of that planet right um Why did they want to do that again? Because the planet was valuable to the Baku, but the Federation, you know, were helping them with whatever the reason was, and that's why they sent Data down to observe them, but then Data got sabotaged and, like, exposed himself to a bunch of kids. It's a good story, really. Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. But it, like, Nemesis, at least, was trying to do something with the Romulan stuff, Mm -hmm. and the Romulan, like, idea had always kind of been there in Star Trek. And we were hoping that, like, Enterprise would get there and we'd see the Romulan War. And apparently we, never never we never saw, saw it, that. We never saw that. We thought that was going to be season five and how, yeah. like, do, how do you conduct a war against somebody without ever seeing them? Yeah, it would have been season
0: five. Is, is, uh, that's the rumor that I read. They would have uh, yeah. gone into the Romulan War. But yeah. it also
1: kind of feels like, well, oh, you guys should never have left me. You don't know how good it was going to be. <laughs> you know, it, it did kind yeah. of feel like that. And I was so, like, if you guys were going to do that, don't do the Zindi season. I like this indie stuff. But just if you're, if all things being equal and you have like in the chamber a Romulan season long exploration of that, don't leave money on the table and just do it. I I wonder if
0: Strange New Worlds can do it. I I guess in the timeline, it's too late though, right? It's It's too late. Too late. Yeah. Because i guess the romulan war happened it would have been the fifth season of enterprise so that would have been the what 22 late
1: 2200s right? yeah so that's you know so much before strange new worlds yeah and that they did balance of terror where you know yeah. they retell that story you see the romulans for the first time everybody's like spock yo what the fuck yeah like why is your brother being such a dick about things why didn't we know about this and he does like the big brock eyebrow you know like that uh, just explore that kind of stuff the romulans you really don't explore there's very much all romulan shit throughout the entirety of star trek but it's all yeah. kind of like yeah they're Rome. that's it they're Rome. they have praetors and they have yeah. praetorian guard and they have senators and even the name of the planet is somehow the same as the guy <laughs> who founded rome yeah but we're yeah. not questioning this we're just not going to yeah. explore it I would love to see them explore it, aside from them being, like, sneaky sneaks. I don't know,
0: man. Like, we've gotten so much Rhymulous stuff recently with Picard, and, uh, what else did we got? Didn't we get some more Rhymulous stuff recently? Um. There
1: was... Did we? Was it just Picard? I think it was Picard and then Balance of Terror episode yeah. oh, okay. of uh, Maybe Strange that's just New Worlds, then, right? But, yeah, but, I mean, like, that doesn't or really Nemesis. go into Romulan stuff. Nemesis, ne- yeah, I Nemesis, but, stuff, yeah. like, Nemula- Nemesis was trying to explore something about Romulan society, mm. which we had only really gotten in Unification 1 and 2. Yeah. We had seen Sila and we had sort of understood, like, what Romulans were about, and what their whole score was, and their sneaky, like, Roman, you know, spies. That's, like, yeah. that's it. But... There seems to be a lot more there that just kind of never got touched on. Give me a new uh, alien
0: species, you know? <laughs> we've, t- we've discovered that we've, we've gone into the Klingons, Romulans, Vulcans so much. Give me, like, that's what I like. Um, you know, Enterprise went into the Zindi. You know, that was interesting. Has, you know, they're very... Pound
1: for pound, though, if you're looking at shows that introduced a lot of species, um, Voyager hasn't beat.
0: Voyager's got yeah.
1: them beat. That's true. If yeah. you talk about the Hirogen, like, yeah. you have your own predators at this point, yeah. or species 8472. Great! I, I, Kazon! Let's go! I, I, Kazon, yeah, well...
0: So, the, the Kazon were so advanced that they couldn't replicate... So, they had warp drives and everything, right? And spaceships and all that, but they couldn't replicate water. Correct. So, Voyager had to come and give them water. Yeah, you know yep. um you got
1: to be kidding me on that Seriously, oh yeah a little bit, bit for sure and that's i think why they walked away from the kazon they were like, dirty klingons is what they were dirty klingons they were yeah, dirty klingons yeah, klingons, yeah you know? they were they were like uh, desert klingons yeah but you're right like voyager the Krenum, had there is another cool Krenum, species that would have been cool you know right? so i have always said
0: voyager had the best premise of any star trek show ds mm-hmm. ds9 had the best
1: execution of any show i would agree and yeah. tng is just competence more. It's just, yeah. like, people being good at their jobs. Yep. Which is, I, with the exception of Barkley and, like, um... She wasn't Brahms, who was... She became a captain. Oh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't Brahms. Sonny Gomez? Though. Yeah, Gomez, who, like, kept yeah. spilling stuff on Yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, those two were the examples of people who were not great at their jobs, but, like, everybody else on the Enterprise knew they were on the Enterprise, and it was, like, a big fucking deal to yeah. be on the Enterprise so you better be good at your job even if like you get turned into a kid for a while you gotta be really good at your job I I like Barkley because (laughs) you know he showed some vulnerability and like everyone